You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? Welcome back to another episode of the Mitch and Rich Show. You know what? I don't usually do that for this show. We usually just get right into the talking, but I've it's been so long, Richard, since we talked. Just be, I think yeah. the we recorded the last time was right before Halloween. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. I I haven't uh, I haven't done much but but work, um, and work and work and more work. I haven't <laughs> even been like I haven't even been like streaming. Like I I think I think the last uh, stream I did was also on on halloween like did i think that a was a scary game uh I, I yeah kind of i did um it's called little hope and it's part of the dark pictures anthology uh games it's like uh they the same developer super massive they did uh until dawn and um man from medan and so like this is kind of in that as well but they're like anthologies so they're they're sort of linked through this um character that's called the curator he's like the curator of stories and so uh the way that they, i don't know have you ever played any of them Mm-mm. so the way that they so until dawn is uh they're they're very cinematic they're like interactive movies until dawn like has hayden panetary um and like a few other people that you would probably recognize like as actual characters in the game right and, and that's the one where they do a lot of like tropes from different movies and have other characters from different horror movies right uh they do a lot of tropes yeah i don't know if they necessarily have characters from them like um remy malik is the other one that's in there um there's a couple other people too but yeah they i mean they're 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 definitely a lot i mean they're they're closer to films than than games by i think most people's standards but they're definitely still inter i don't know i feel like they're interactive movies kind of uh, but the cool thing is, like, so you're going through the story, and then every so often you'll get pulled into kind of like this. Uh, the first game was a little bit different because it it was like a psychologist in the first game that would take you out and like be asking you questions. But in the Man from Medan, and then uh, Little Hope, it actually is this character named the curator, and like he's pulling you kind of into this library and kind of like giving you different like tidbits of information and stuff like that about kind of like what's going on or what you might you know have to think about so stuff like that which is kind of really interesting and it definitely had some it, it had a it had some definite jump moments there was a couple of times i i might have screamed a little bit for sure <laughs> so it, it it definitely has a it has some moments but it's the cool thing about it too is you can play through it cooperatively um like i think at least with one other person but maybe more and your stories are kind of interwoven as you're as you're going through but um you're playing different characters at different times and then you can make different decisions but you don't necessarily know how the other person you're playing with is making those decisions so like they could do something that kind of like screws up your story and like vice versa so it's kind of like it's just really interesting the way that they did it and and i think little hope was a lot better than man from i at least i enjoyed it better than man from Medan. it's kind of like centered around these like witch trials in this city and um you're kind of like time traveling through it uh which is very interesting um, <laughs> so yeah i don't i don't not to give too much away but yeah i think i think you should definitely check it out i think you might enjoy it because it's a little bit more of like a story movie type experience than like a fast-paced action type of gaming experience you know yeah it's a little bit more interactive story as opposed to like a call of duty or something like that yeah absolutely okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I mean, there are a lot of games that are backed up on me that I need to do, but I will remember that one for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so since the last time we recorded, there's been a lot of interesting news. So let's talk about the Warner Media 
Warner Brothers big announcement for their HBO Max, and I want to get your thoughts on it. So uh, Warner Brothers came out and said their 2021 slate, their entire 2021 slate, will have a uh, day and date release on HBO Max as well in the theaters, uh, but only for a month on HBO Max. So any movie that you from Warner Brothers that you could have went and saw in the theaters, like if your theater is open, you can go see it and you feel safe, but you can also watch it on uh, uh, HBO Max, just like this coming Christmas, you can watch Wonder Woman. Now, the difference is for Wonder Woman, they went to Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot and said, hey, we we really want to do this with this movie. And we know you had back end points. So we're going to pay you each $10 million. At least that's what it was being reported. They didn't do that that for the rest of these uh, creators. I understand. And I, this is me, and I'm. I definitely don't want to be be the person sitting here sticking up for a big co- corporation like uh, Warner Media or AT and T. But I feel like that's that was kind of like a a very cool thing to do for regular people. Like, don't risk to go out into the theater and possibly get sick. You can watch it at home if you have HBO Max. Obviously, it's it's benefiting them if they can get more people to subscribe to HBO Max, which I will say right now, I do not like their app. Like, I like all the content, but their app is just not user-friendly. Like, there are so many bugs, depending on whether I use it on my phone or I use it on uh, my PS4. Like, it does not work correctly. Well... At least you have an app. If you're a Roku user, you're because you don't have one. No, I did no, hear, no. I did hear there's one coming now, but it's like no, no, it came it's out today. Been seven seven months. Yes. What were you doing? It, it came out today. You can should now have that your Roku. <laughs> yeah, should have had that ready to go because I already got rid of my Roku. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I understand that the creators that all had. Uh, you know, points on the back end on their contract and stuff like that are getting screwed. Um, certain directors that really feel like their movies need to be seen on the big screen feel like they're getting or their art is getting screwed over. I just don't think that I am here for that argument at the moment. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, it, it's it's uh, very much like you said, it's a double-edged sword for sure. And most everything that I read, um, the argument was not it has to be seen in a theater. Uh, almost every argument I read from almost every one of the creators was the fact that there is a blatant conflict of interest because Warner Media it owns HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And like you said, allegedly they did not go and talk to the bulk majority of these people. It makes sense that they would do it for Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot because that's a franchise. They know they need them to come back for a third movie. So, I mean, they need to keep the two of them happy at all costs. Whereas that's not really the case with the rest of these filmmakers. Except for Um, Dune. They They need them to come back for the second Dune movie. Right, which now there is potentially legal litigation that is going to happen over this, like Legendary and um, I think a couple other people involved who put up, I believe it was like 75 to 8% of the money, yep. um, are now going uh, to try, from what I've heard, uh, to pursue legal actions. And I think they should. Um, again, yes, from a consumer standpoint, I understand the need to come up with something that works. But going behind all of these people's backs that you have contracts with, all of these people that you have good faith agreements with, this is not the way to handle it. It's not the way to do it. And there's and not only not only that, but also from a business standpoint, too, because yes, they they want to try to increase HBO Max's subscriber platform because it is the absolute lowest in streaming by like a massive, massive amount. Uh, because last I read, they were around, I think, 5 million, but they were projected to maybe be at 8 now. Disney is already at like 60 million. Um, 
Netflix is like 190 million and like Amazon Prime is I think around 150 million. So I mean, they're definitely a drop of water in an ocean compared to these other platforms. And if you were only going to do it for a month, I still think it's it, it, it was a stupid business decision because you could have shopped that around and made more money off of it and then still eventually worked those deals for it to go to HBO Max if that was ultimately where you wanted it to go and not screwed over thousands of people out of millions to hundreds of millions of dollars. So, like, I don't blame anyone for being mad because it's not just, like, potentially people that get points on the back end for this. It's not It's not just the director and, and the actor. You know what I mean? It's There's a lot of, of people mm-hmm. at this level that are making money off of that and you're stealing money from them. And, and my biggest thing with that as a creative is like a lot of these people also take that money and put it back into the industry or, you know, put it back into getting another project funded, um, which you're like, okay, well, yeah, but it's Christopher Nolan. Not everyone that's in this problem or this predicament is Christopher Nolan. (laughs) <laughs> like it it's a it's a big deal and and it's really in my opinion um as much as i love it as a consumer because i'm like yes i can watch these movies because i have hbo max obviously um so like i'm excited i can watch them sure but as someone who has worked albeit as a again a smaller driblet in the ocean that is hollywood or or the film industry if you will like I know the amount of passion and and labor and all this stuff that goes into this movie. And, you know, there are a lot of people right now that are hurting. You know what I mean? And and you're stealing money from them. Like, I I think that's a major problem. Like, I really do. And I, and I think, sure, it's great that they went and gave Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins money. But are they going to do that for every single one of these movies like that that was going to come out next year? And even then, the $10 million that they got is definitely not what they would have gotten. But again, that number's dwindled because of the pandemic as well. So, I mean, they're probably like, well, it's $10 million guaranteed, so let's do it. But, I mean, this is also kind of like a thing with AT&T in general is they traditionally – have very bad business acumen when it comes to a lot of the things that they do. I mean, like, my God, when they tried to buy Sprint and everyone was like, don't do it, you're stupid. Like, Mm -hmm. no one's ever going to let that go through. And then they still ended up losing, I think, like $6 million or $6 billion on that deal because it was like guaranteed whether it went through or not. You know what I mean? And so they have a, a pretty strong established track record of not making good business choices and again, from a lot of the things I've heard and read, which take all this with a grain of salt, because I don't know how accurate all of this is. A lot of the people that were involved in making this decision are people who are not even film industry people. They're people that came from that side of the world, like the AT&T side of the world and stuff, the executive side of the world that don't understand how these contracts and how the industry and things like that work. And you can be like, OK, well, it's all good and dandy right now. But if you just pissed all these people off and just took all this money from them, do you think they're going to want to continue to work with you? Probably not, which could have a pretty large backlash thing on top of any lawsuits and legal litigations that might come out of this as well. So as happy as I am as a consumer, I think it was a really stupid business decision. And I think it was something that in good faith, they should not have done this way. I think they should have sat down had the conversations because I mean, we've been in this for 10 months now. I mean, like they could have started having these conversations pretty early on because it was pretty clear to most people that we were going to be in a really bad situation for a pretty good amount of time. So, I mean, they had, you know, time to start coming up with something and they could have started shopping these around. Even if it was like a limited exclusive deal, you still could have made a tremendous, um, a larger amount of money for your company in a much faster fashion and on a platform that was equally or, or I mean, equally is not the right word, but on a platform that would have given you, I think a better, you know, follow through of your contracts and your agreements and not pissed off 
and potentially stole money from all of these people, which is what it feels like they're doing. Uh, and also to speak towards uh, AT&T and Warner Media, they the the people that you're talking about that came in from AT&T and are running Warner Media also laid off a whole bunch of people over at DC Comics. So that's uh, you know another way of you showing that what's going on over there. So uh, I get it, I get what you're saying, but once again, like I just I f- I feel like. I want people to not be going out and and that's where I'm at at this moment. But yes, screwing over people that need their money or, you know, uh, are, you know, working for a living. This is not a good thing. No. And I, and I totally agree with you. Like I'm, I'm a huge advocate for getting things onto streaming at, at a faster rate, even, even before the pandemic, because that is where inevitably the consumers are, are, are really headed. You know what I mean? So like as an industry, you know, we do need to start getting ahead of things and moving towards it. It's just, there's a better way. I don't want to say a right way and a wrong way, but I feel like there's certainly a better way they could have done it. That still would have been a better idea for them as a company, for all these creators that were involved and for consumers in general. So with all that being said, how much do you miss going to the movie theater? Cause I miss it so much. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was in a situation where I haven't been going as much just because I haven't had as much time, but it, it is one of those things where I do miss going to the theater. I, I miss the grandiose nature that you just can never get at home. Like there's certain like, oh my gosh, like, like Blade Runner and the IMAX, like for crying out loud, like that's an experience that you're not going to have sitting at your, at your home theater. You know what I mean? Not unless and, and, you actually are, you know, Christopher Nolan or Denny Villeneuve and have a huge, giant, you know, theater like screen in your home with a great sound system. Like most people aren't going to have that. No, I get it. And then yeah. you also get that 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 crowd emotion. Like when you get to be in the, the theater, when everybody goes <gasps> like at the same time, like that, that feels good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that or when people scream or laugh, I mean, it's very indicative of like what I think most people would, you know, assume of like live concerts and things like that is like there is an energy that comes from those people. Um, Now, granted, there's there's definitely some downsides to that sometime, too, because you get stupid people that are like on their phone, on their phones or yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's not all great. And I mean, I don't fault people for wanting to, you know, watch stuff at home. I mean, it can also be expensive for families to go to the theater. I mean, uh, that's certainly true. And then, you know, if if you're someone who, you know, you have to go to the bathroom a lot or something, you know, being able to pause it or whatever. And, you know, like there there's definitely some some strong advantages to watching at home. But I agree with you. I, I totally miss. Uh, the theater experience. I'm I'm absolutely going to miss it for Dune, uh, which I think would have been one that would have been just phenomenal to watch in in like an IMAX type of setting or like a Dolby Atmos theater type of setting. Um, so yeah, I, I I do miss it, and you know, hopefully the industry in general can get back on track, and and theaters won't completely die off. Um, I'm sure eventually someday they're probably going to become a very uh niche uh you know experience for people that are just after that nostalgia but um i i hope it's not anytime soon no uh well you know for staying at home mar uh not marvel but uh Warner Brothers or HBO Max does have um, have it down, but there is a, another company that made some big announcements Ooh. <laughs> last week that is very well going to also keep you at home. So uh, Disney had their big investor call. Uh, investor, well, they used to be they used to call it the investor call, so it used to just be. You know, the Disney head honcho talking on the phone to all the investors is as a giant, like, you know, meeting call. Well, now it's been turned into an event. They had investor day and they turned it in, you know, live streaming or recorded live streaming. And they announced everything that they have that they are working on. And it was 
pretty huge in the way of Disney, Pixar, or Disney Animation, Pixar, Star Wars, and Marvel. And uh, if you just want to go over a couple of things, see if you're you're excited at all. It's a uh, you're are you down for that? Yeah, of course. So we we officially got an Obi Wan announcement, Obi Wan Kenobi TV series for Disney Plus, and it's a limited TV series, so it's more than likely just one season few episodes which has hayden christensen coming back as darth vader they specifically said as darth vader hmm (laughs) that is certainly interesting (laughs) plus two shows set in the time frame time era of the mandalorian which are going to be called rangers of the new republic and ahsoka obviously starring uh rosario dawson as ahsoka tano um, I mean, how do you feel about those two? Are you watching well, the season of The Mandalorian? No. Um, no. <laughs> I, so, okay, brace everyone, just brace yourselves. Like, I, I hated The Mandalorian. I, I, and I hate saying that because I was the biggest Mandalorian Boba Fett person and I loved, I loved John Favreau. Uh, but ah, the first season is just so good. It's just written so unbelievably bad. It's just, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. To be fair, it's just not for me anymore. Like, it, it, I, I, there's so many people that are watching it that are loving it, and I feel so good for them. Like, I am glad that you are are enjoying it, and that it's that it's rewarding because there's been a lot of things that have come out Star Wars uh, in the last years that I think most people would agree was not rewarding at all. Um, so if you're someone that's like, Hey, the Mandalorian finally is something that I can watch. That's out of the new, new era of star Wars. And, and it's great. Then I feel, I feel so excited for you, but I, it's the writing. It it's to me, it's, it's just so bad. Like, and so much so to the fact that I was like, and and like it sounds like I'm shitting all over it, and and I I guess I am, but I but I really am trying to do it in a standpoint of like I understand I don't have any ownership of it. I don't think I could have made it any better than what it is. Like I'm not saying it from any standpoint of there. It's just for me, there's too there's way too much fan service. Um, we just keep going to the same places and the same people and all this stuff over and over and over again. And my God, there's like. I think it's like the the fourth or fifth episode where there's like they, they spend the whole time cruising around uh, Tatooine on speeder bikes, <laughs> and they stop and do some uh, sign language to some Tuscan Raiders, a- a- and then it it cuts to like a sniper on a ridge line, and he's like, you know, she has the high ground. I'm like, are you f-ing kidding me? God damn it! Like, give me a break. Like, g- give me something new for the love of God. And I th- and I really thought that was a great opportunity to do that, to just totally break away from the formula, which in a way they did. I just totally started going somewhere else. And then you got the stupid Grogu like character that shows up and I'm like, oh my God, like we couldn't even come up with some other like ancillary, super cutesy, cutesy little creature thing to sell billions of toys. We had to make like another whatever species Yoda is because I don't think I still don't think we ever have, have a name for it. You don't. So it's just, yeah, so it's just too much of that for me. Oh my God, I could go on for hours. There, they, there's that and there's just so many other things where... There's so many unbelievable contrivances. Like it's the whole thing with like the the stormtroopers, right? Oh, only Imperial stormtroopers could shoot this well, and then we get like 15 other movies where they can't hit shit. They never shoot anything, <laughs> and it's like the same thing with the Mandalorians. We've spent this entire time like placating to how amazing they are, and then he just makes dumb decision after dumb decision after dumb decision. And it's like no one could be that stupid and be, you know, an, an elite bounty hunter, right? Like it just it's, it's like James Bond doesn't even get that. Well, maybe James Bond does. But you again, you see my point because you hate James Bond for that reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and, and that's my thing. But again, I digress. That's just me. I have no ownership over it. And, and if people are enjoying it, then I, I genuinely wholeheartedly am excited for them. I'm so excited for them. Um, and, 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 you know, I hope that these other shows can deliver what they want. Again, I don't know why we need a whole show of Obi-Wan Kenobi 
and Darth Vader. Like, <laughs> my God, how small is this galaxy? Like, and it was a long, long, long time ago. Can we just get to when it was a time ago or like a long time ago? I'm like, my God, like, did, did they finally just wipe everyone out? And like, there's literally fucking nothing left. Like, I just don't understand why we can't get new things with like new characters that. Well, here you, you go. Know. We got you have Andor, which is the Cassian Andor show. Yeah, the show about Cassian Andor from Rogue One. So it's a prequel to Rogue One before he gets killed. Spoiler awesome. Rogue One. <laughs> Star Wars: The Bad Batch, which is a continuation of sorts from the Clone Wars. It's a batch of uh, clone troopers that are considered the bad batch they are different than the rest star wars visions which is going to be like the animatrix but with star wars uh so it's going to be a whole bunch of animated uh anthology stories so maybe there that's there's your new thing kind of that could be good lando which will be a limited series that's just about lando calrissian no idea yet at the moment who is going to be playing, playing Lando. If it's going to be, you know, Billy D. Williams as old Lando or Donald Glover as young Lando or a combination of the two. There's the Acolyte, which does play take place in a since the regular Star Wars is a long, long time ago. This is a long, long, long time ago, I believe. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and then a droid story, which will be about everyone's favorite two droids r2d2 and c3po as they take on a third droid as a companion didn't uh, they also announce a, a book of boba fett so that is the most recent episode of the mandalorian that would that aired today as we are recording this uh that was announced um so w- that's another show yes you're correct also that's a, that's a lot <laughs> and then you have patty jenkins making a Rogue Squadron movie. Interesting. I, I don't know. I, I liked Rogue One. I don't think Rogue Squadron is going to be anything like Rogue One. No, I'm sure it's not. I'm just saying out of all the new stuff that's announced, like that oh. was, I, I did enjoy that because it, I, I mean, Rogue One a lot. Yeah, it, it was an event we knew about, but it was a bunch of people we had never heard of basically. Yeah. True. Also coming from Lucasfilm, though, is uh, Willow. They're going to be having a sequel series, so it's going to be Willow 30 years later, I guess, uh, with Warwick Davis as Willow again. Um, Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) Is Val Kilmer coming back? I don't think so. I don't think you're going to get Mad Margaret. I don't know, know, though. I I haven't seen anything where they said they were. Uh, You're getting your uh, fifth Indiana Jones movie with um, uh, Harrison Ford coming back as Indiana Jones for the fifth and final time. And it's going to be directed by James Mangold. So there's that. Mm. And then, oh, I forgot there is another Star Wars thing. Taika oh is going to be <gasps> writing and directing something. Uh, what's, it says a Star Wars feature film by Ta- Taika Waititi and Children of Bone and Blood based on Tommy Hendawanyi's Adiyimi's New York's best time seller novel. I don't know if that has anything to do with Star Wars. I think that's two different things. But Taika Waititi is also going to be uh, making a Star Wars film. And he had a funny tweet about that. Like when Disney Plus announced it during the, the thing, during the event. He said, as a longtime Star Wars fan, I can't wait till I screw this up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about. I, I, Like I said, I don't think I could do any better with The Mandalorian. That's fair. Uh, we have a new Sister Act film. This is just from Disney Studios. What? A new Sister Act film, a new Cheaper by the Dozen film, a, a remake or reboot of Three Men and a Baby with Zac Efron. And then we're getting a Hocus Pocus 2. Hocus Pocus 2. Electric Pocus Boogaloo or something. I don't know. That's correct. Hmm. (laughs) I mean, I feel like didn't we kind of say everything we needed to say with Hocus Pocus? Like, don't they die at the end of that? They like vaporize it. I mean, like the Necronomicon was still there because like I think the last shot's like the 
eyeball opens back up and it's true you're i just right. totally stretched my eye open into the webcam and like no one but you could see it everyone was just like what the heck yeah, i'm looking at a different screen so i didn't even see it. ah see everyone missed it golden opportunity to see my soul so there is going to be a live action animated <laughs> hybrid of chip and dale rescue rangers with john mulaney and andy sandberg as chip and dale respectively uh live action pinocchio with uh directed by robert zemeckis with surprise surprise tom hanks in it peter starring jude law as captain hook uh Hmm. and yara shahidi as tinkerbell and then there's going to be a sequel to enchanted called disenchanted with amy Hmm. adams coming back as giselle all right Uh, that's quite the lineup that's right the disney plus will also be getting tv series tv series based on zootopia Tiana from Princess and the Frog, Moana, and Baymax from oh, Big Hero Six. Hero Six, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pixar Animation will be bringing in a movie, I believe, called Turning Red. Yeah, it's from the director who made Bow, the short film that, yeah, that short animated film that came before. I want to say Toy Story Four, but I'm not sure. Uh, then there's going to be Disney Pixar's Lightyear which will be a movie about the character that the Buzz Lightyear toy is from, if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, okay. that, that definitely is a weird way to take that, but all right. And that will be voiced by Chris Evans. Oh, all right. That's cool. Yeah. So you have all that. Then in the Marvel studio side you we had our first Wait, real quick so is the is chris evans gonna try to do a tim allen impression like i i i mean it seems like that's what you would have to do right because the toy yeah. would have voiced after the the character in the movie so i i well, don't that's what, that's what you would think but then you're like well did they get like a really shitty impressionist to do like the voice like for the boxes of the toys because they couldn't get the real actor to do it that's a possibility too <laughs> it's so intriguing so many questions uh so yeah on the marvel studio side we got the sizzle reel for um uh, ms marvel which is Kamala Khan, uh, who has superpowers because she's an inhuman that can stretch and stuff like that and becomes a hero because her idol is is Captain Marvel. Uh, we got announcements for three TV series called one called Secret Invasion, which will have will star Samuel Jackson and Ben Middleson as Nick Fury and Talos, respectively. Ironheart, which will star Dominique Thorne as Riri Williams. And Armor Wars, which will star Don Cheadle as James Rhodes' War Machine again, as he has to go and track down all of Tony's like tech that's been stolen and is being used for um, reasons that Tony wouldn't want. Uh, we saw the first footage of Loki, uh, so to speak, uh, the TV series, and WandaVision. We got another trailer. Then we saw a, Thor, a, tra- a trailer for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, a trailer for What If. We saw, oh, they made the announcement that John Watts, who has directed the, the previous two Spider-Man movies, so Spider-Man uh, Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home, will be directing a Fantastic Four movie for Marvel Studios. So you have that. Chris uh, Evans coming back for that one? I, you know what? I don't know, but I, I, I'd be here for it if they wanted to. I doubt yeah. it, but I'd be here for it. Uh, and then they, uh, what was it? There was something. Uh, I, I think, I think they made more of an announcement with Blade. So I think that's going to be. I think they finally said that was going to be a movie and not a show. But I'm, I'm not completely sure on that. Ant Man, the next Ant Man and the Wasp movie will be called Ant Man and the Wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp's Quantum Mania. So obviously that would be a lot more about the quantum verse that we saw in the second movie. Uh, Tatiana Maslany is definitely going to be, is, is officially announced as She-Hulk, uh, Jennifer Walters. And they also said Tim Roth is going to return in the She-Hulk show as the Abomination, which I was stoked for. That is awesome. Uh, and I think the last, oh, they, they also said Christian Bale uh, is going to be 
the God Butcher in Thor Love and, Bun- Love and Thunder. He will be the villain in that movie. And there is a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special coming out. I think it's Christmas 2022. Is, uh, is Stallone in it? I, I, I mean, I, no, they didn't really make any announcements, but uh, I'm sure he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you ever see the infamous Star Wars holiday special? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have it on VHS. Uh, you it on VHS? No, no, no. It's I, at my work. At my oh. work, we have oh. it on VHS. And, like, we threaten to put that thing on all the time. Like, if you screw up, like, you're basically going to get a clockwork orange with uh, Christmas special, Star Wars Christmas special. That's that's funny. I just... I. I I just picture James Gunn being like, I'm going to do the exact same thing, but with the Guardians of the Galaxy characters. So it's just going to be a bunch of random things and you'll see current day sitcom stars as bartenders in a bar somewhere, just like they did back then. (laughs) I mean, honestly, if he did a shot for shot remake, but it was just, uh, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy's characters, I still think it'd be hilarious. I've I've never actually seen the Star Wars holiday special, so I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna be I'm probably I'm sure that's probably it would be hilarious if they did it that way. So I mean, it's not good. I mean, I'll <laughs> say that, but I mean, I don't think anyone that likes Star Wars that hasn't seen it's gonna take anything I'm saying serious now because they're like, this is the guy that hates Star Wars. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's. I mean, I guess I am now. I didn't used to be. I don't know what happened. I used to be such a nice guy. And now I'm just like, ah, fuck you, Star Wars. Like, So, like I said, a lot of those things, I mean, a couple of those things I believe are planned for the movie theater because these were announcements that are that are have dates all the way up to 2023. But a lot of that stuff is intended for Disney Plus. Now, how do you feel about these these things that were announced? Like, are there any ones that you're super stoked for or is there anything that you're just like why would they even spend the money on it i mean a lot of it sounds i don't know we're we're in this weird thing where again the you know i don't think we talk about this a few times on the show that you know the industry has to kind of especially now um you know that we're in like a pandemic right is they really have to try to bet on something that they feel like is a guaranteed win and so, like, it's not shocking to me that we're getting massive, massive amounts of, you know, remakes or continuations or spinoffs or whatever, you know, because it's it's you're you're banking on intellectual property that already has a fan base, which has obviously worked very well for Disney. Uh, so it's not super shocking that they would continue to ride that wave. Um yeah, super stoked for Blade, actually. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Blade. Uh, I love the character. Uh, I vaguely remember shortly after uh, Alita Battle Angel came out, I was like, man, that Mah- Mahershala Ali should be Blade. And I remember Mitch being like, no, he shouldn't. And no, apparently somebody at Disney heard me. That's not what I said. You oh, were okay. throwing me under the bus. I said <laughs> he would make a great Blade also. I just said that I don't think he would ever do it. I think it would be... Uh beneath him as an actor and he might just if he if they did it he would just be there for the paycheck and not give all of his you know uh his give it his all so to speak but he's signed on and i'm sure that he's going to give a great performance and i am going to go and watch it well, if he doesn't, uh, I will apologize to you because I'm like, yeah, you you were right. He phoned it in um, because I know I, I made the the comparison to uh, Michelle Williams in the Venom movie. Like, she is a great actress. She's a great, you yeah. know, she's great on the screen. That movie, she is phoning it in. Like, it, she is there for the paycheck, and I am not here to fault them for that. Like, hell yeah! If you you have a name and they want you for it. Get in there, get paid. Like I, you have the other movies you you want to make that you you're getting those the critical acclaim and Academy Awards and stuff. So why not go in there and make the giant movie and get paid for it? You gotta get that Disney cheddar, man. That's right. Um. Okay. Well. Okay. Then I, I'll dial that back a little bit. I I misremembered that. Um. My bad. <laughs> well, <I'm laughs> we'll curious. see. 
anybody can go back and listen to the episode and and tell us what it is I actually said. But I I feel I think like it was on Twitter. Was it on Twitter? I'm pretty sure I we talked was on, when we we when we talked about Alita Battle Angel. Might have been might have been both. It might have been both. Might have been both. But uh, no, definitely stoked for that because I do like Blade. Um, I, I probably won't watch much of the Star Wars stuff. I'm kind of just done with it. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be for me anymore. It's fine. That's right. Um, the memory of the stuff that you like. Yeah. 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 That's totally what I'm going to do for sure. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. The Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Like, I might be in just to watch that just because it's a Christmas special. And it's like... I don't know where they're going with that. So like that could be really interesting just to kind of see how that plays out. Um, making a, a movie or a show based off of the Buzz Lightyear character that inspired the toy to be in the movie sounds really crazy to me. So I think there's some some interesting stuff in there. What about? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was talking thinking like that. All that is going to be pretty. I I I wonder if there's gonna be like a precursor, like where Buzz and Woody might be sitting there, like watching TV when Andy's out of the room, or something. Or I guess it wouldn't be Andy anymore. It'd be well, I guess they wouldn't be together anymore. That's true. I forgot about the last movie. I don't know. Is there going to be a precursor where they're like explaining to the audience that this is the movie that Buzz Lightyear is based off? The toy Buzz Lightyear is based off of. It just seems kind of out there. It really, I mean, again, out, out of everything, I think, well, I mean, the Guardians Christmas special is kind of weird, but that that seems also very weird, like what you're saying. Like, that seems like, a, like, like who pitched that? You know, they were like, yeah, this Buzz Lightyear character swell, but uh, we should really, you know, make a whole movie out of just him, but not the know, toy. Do you want to know what my hot take is on that? Yes, please. I, so what I think it is, is that, they wanted to continue on in the Toy Story universe, but this time, because the last Toy Story movie is kind of mostly about Woody. This time they wanted to make a movie about Buzz, but then it kind of came out that, you know, Tim Allen is, I mean, he's still a bankable name on with half the country, but the other half of the country doesn't kind of like him because, you know, things that he said and, and the way uh, the politics that he's expressed. So, how can they use that IP? Well, we make a movie that's not about the toy Buzz Lightyear, but the character Buzz Lightyear, and we get Chris Evans, who, you know, everybody loves. <laughs> and he's Captain America. He's Captain America. That's right. So I think I kind of think that's what it was. I that to me, I think that's that's what happened. But I could be I, wrong. I I could I could see that happening. I think that's a very uh I think that's a very good take on it. Honestly, I, I think you could be onto something. All right. So with all that streaming and movie news from the two biggest movie studios out there right now, let's get into Netflix, which I think is amazing that they, they still are making, I think theater quality movies, obviously theater quality movies. And, but it, it is already streaming. And like you said, 150 million subscribers as You're is at 190, sorry, 190 million subscribers. Um, and you know, exclusive deals with certain actors and certain directors. And obviously this is an exclusive deal with, uh, David Fincher, the director. Uh, this is a movie mank. Now I will disclose this at the beginning. Because I I do consider myself a film or not a film nerd, a movie nerd or movie geek, but obviously not a good one because I have never seen Citizen Kane. Oh, that that doesn't that doesn't make you a good or bad movie person. I, I mean, everybody says it's the best movie ever made. So, well, yeah, so it does have kind of that monarchy, if you will. Right. Or hierarchy, monarchy, moniker moniker that's the word i'm looking for words are hard um don't trust that anti-star wars guy he can't even words right um it, it i will say this like i i remember before i went to film school hearing that all the time and being like that's 
absolutely pretentious AF and no movie should ever be able to hold that title. And I remember when I took my intro to cinematography or not intro to cinematography, my intro to cinema class, we had to do a final report on Citizen Kane and whether or not it was the greatest movie of all time or the greatest movie ever made, which I made a huge dissertation of how it was not. Um, you I've did? Seen it, yeah, I did, yes, that it was not. And I've seen it probably 30, 40 times since then. It's grown on me. I think it's a phenomenal movie. I think it's the most resilient movie ever made because, my God, when you hear, like, the actual true story about how what this movie went through, which, you know, every movie goes through a lot. I mean, watch uh, Hearts of Darkness if you want to see uh, Apocalypse Now almost never get released. Uh, <laughs> it's a great documentary on it. But, but I will say, you know, when you go back to it, I mean, there's a lot behind it in terms of it's just unrelenting ability to continue to exist against everyone wanting to destroy it. Um, you combine that with the fact that Orson Welles was, I think like 23, 24, an outsider to Hollywood was given arguably the greatest contract to ever exist in cinematic history, like had complete control over everything went out to to California and sat around for a number of years, I think, on RKO's money, not doing a damn thing. And then, you know, puts Project out Citizen Kane. There were nobody, like, just, it was like other theater actors, right? Like, that he just brought in to play the, the parts. Like, that no one, that, no names and stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of them were. Yeah, a lot of the technical crew was was Hollywood crew. I mean, his cinematographer had basically said something to him like, yeah, you know, everything you need to know about making movies, I can teach you in three hours. And so then there's like a quote that Orson Welles came out and said, you know, I learned everything in three hours of how to make movies. And people were like, oh, fuck you, man. Like, <laughs> you're an outsider to Hollywood. We hate you. And then he released Citizen Kane. And and you're like, OK, well, shit. Um, Why is it that RKO Pictures gave him this? incredible deal do you know yeah so the film industry at the time uh was a, a little rocky um we were coming off of the great depression and stuff like that and um rko specifically was not doing great in terms of like a business standpoint and orson you know had uh, and to his credit i mean honestly you, you know i mean he kind of was a prodigy i mean imagine i mean he was already a huge established like uh, you know, theater playwright, you know, play producer, play director, play actor, uh, radio plays. I mean, he had already done like War of the Worlds and stuff like that. I mean, like he had a huge amount of kind of like clout, if you yeah. will, for narrative, uh, narrative work, right? In different mediums at that too. And so uh, from what I recall of it, uh, if my memory serves me correct, which it might not because we just established that I didn't remember what you said about Mahershala Lee well. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, he was coming from the standpoint of like RKO wasn't doing great. And so they were like, all right, well, we're just going to throw a Hail Mary. And basically he just asked for it and they they gave it to him. Like it was kind of this thing where they're like, well, if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, then oh, well, it, it's not going to work, you know? And obviously, in the in the long run, um, you know, it worked out pretty well for Orson Welles because, again, he became known as this person that made the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> so this movie, Mank, that we're talking about, kind of sets it up at the very beginning. Like, it has a title card that says talks about Orson Welles and how he got this great deal at the age of 24 and stuff like that. But the movie is about Herman Mankiewicz. The, I, I, and I, you know, the, this movie is, I don't know how much of it is based on truth. Cause it already starts off with Gary Oldman playing the, the main role who is, I want to say 60 something playing a 30 something year old person. So there's already that, uh, <laughs> I think at one point they call they in the movie they say that he's forty four, and I think that was like we can't we can't say that Gary Oldman is thirty two like it's not it's not possible. So, but uh, yeah, he is the uh, Herman Mankiewicz is the co writer uh, officially on the title as the co writer of 
Citizen Kane. Um, the whole he's movie. The, he's the, he is the writer. He is the writer. But yes, in credit, yes. Credit. Yeah. The yeah. writer. Uh, if that was what the movie was about, I would have been more interested. But that's not what the movie is about. If the movie would have been about how Mankiewicz is, you know, doing his damnedest to bring down uh, Hearst, William Randolph Hearst, with this movie and this script, then I would have been about it. But there are so many things happening and then not happening in this movie that I was just like, I don't care about any of this. And then, which I don't think I have too much of a problem with with jumping around in time movies, but this does it a lot. Like it starts off with, I want to say him getting into the bed with the broken leg. And then Mm -hmm. you jump to the past when he's introducing, was it Charlie? Somebody, some, some young writer to the writer room at, I want to say Paramount. And then it jumps to him getting in the car accident. And then it jumps in. That's all it does. It jumps around repeatedly, which I mean, I guess. No, I don't think I can think of any other movie that, that Fincher does something like that. Like I, I, and that's another thing is like, I love David Fincher movies, you know, it's just, and, and, and Mindhunter or yeah, Mindhunter. Like I thought that was a great show. This, I guess I just wasn't expecting this from this movie and then you you know that i already have an issue with when they play black and white or when they play movies in a in like four by three just because like that's the way it was then i was like well we're not living in then like i get it the whole movie is is supposed to look like it's taking place back then but it's it's shot digitally so you had to then throw on a whole bunch of effects to make it look like it was shot on film and they even threw in cigarette burns in the where there would be real changes and stuff like that and it's just like those flourishes don't do anything for me and that just might be because i'm not that type of movie geek so all that being said and done i just i didn't hate the movie i didn't like the movie i just was super indifferent to it like i i think an hour in i was just like what it what is this story about what is going on here and then notice i still had an hour and 12 minutes left to go i was like all right we're 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 pushing through i guess to you mm-hmm. how, how did this come out like i performance wise gary oldman's always great oh I, yeah i'm always here for gary oldman uh charles dance as william randolph Hearst. like like this is that's another thing I know William Randolph Hearst was not a great guy. So why is it that you didn't do the work of making me feel more like, yeah, put it to him, make it so that people know that he's not a great guy. And Amanda Seyfried, like, I don't know. She's, she's never really wowed, wowed me in anything. So I don't really feel like she wowed me here either. Yeah. Well, so again, going back a little bit here, like, I I think the biggest thing for me is like uh, like the golden age of of Hollywood, if you will, and 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 just kind of old, uh, you know, really old film, uh, like film history in general. Like I I have, and I will say it's because of film school. Like I have a much deeper appreciation for it now than I did before I went to film school. And a lot of this stuff has grown on me. And like I said, I, I always thought Citizen Kane was just the most pretentious. Like when people would talk about, it, I was like, Oh, this is such crap. Like, how could you do that? But then again, after watching it so many times, and I mean, I've obviously, you know, researched some stuff and, and read stuff on it and all that. Um, I think anyone who is going to watch this movie, would benefit massively from watching Citizen Kane. Um, I would say maybe before or after, probably before would would help you some, but um, it really feels like a companion piece to the movie because that really was what the movie kind of was doing, was it, it really kind of was going after William Randolph Hearst. And, and even then, from that standpoint, it, it was like, you know, William Randolph Hearst is used to people taking shots at him. So it's like, okay, well, that's one thing. It was really the fact that Mankiewicz 
and Wells went after Marion Davies, which was William Randolph Hearst's mistress. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think is really what set everything on fire. Um, I mean, especially because like, if I recall correctly, Citizen came out, did fucking horribly. I think it like showed in like one theater or something like that on very limited release and then was shelved for like a number of years. Um, MGM actually approached uh, RKO and was like, hey, before you release this, we want to buy it. We want to buy all the negatives. We want to pay you for anything you think you were going to make off the box office and we want to burn all the negatives and destroy this movie. And RKO was like, no. Uh, we're, we're, we're not going to do that. And it's crazy because if you think about stuff now, um, it, it still feels kind of sort of relevant, right? Because imagine if you had, it's a little bit less so because, you know, obviously we have, I would, I don't know as a society, because of social media, things like that, we obviously have a much broader voice for every single individual citizen to kind of say something about other people. Right. But imagine if we didn't have all that and imagine if someone right now came out and made this huge movie about Donald Trump and was just blasting his mistress who he had done all this stuff for. Um, And then imagine like, you know, Donald Trump going to the ends of the earth to try to destroy that movie and this person and being unsuccessful you know what I mean? Like that's kind of the, the more up to date comparison that I think you could make about it. Right. Is because William Randolph Hearst had tons of, of connections in the film industry. Um, you know, obviously was a huge newspaper person. I mean, like had boatloads of money, boatloads of power. And then you have this, this no name, you know, non film person coming in and making a movie about it. And you have Herman Mankiewicz who had known, uh, Hearst and Marion Davies and was kind of airing, you know, some of their dirty laundry in a very personal attacking kind of way. Um, and you're right. It, it doesn't really, I could see how, if you're watching that without knowing the full backstory of all the stuff that is citizen Kane and Orson Welles and Mankiewicz and stuff like that. I think if you don't know their background, like you can get a little bit lost in this movie, like in, in it's, you know, kind of, I would say maybe perceptive meaning. Um, and, and I think there's also some parallels too, because the whole thing about citizen Kane is it's really, you know, the movie starts, uh, after, after he dies and it's kind of this whole circular ex, you know, exploration of, of what really is someone's life. And it feels kind of like we're, we're trying to do that same thing with, Mankiewicz, Orson, and Citizen Kane in general, like that whole thing, like we're, you know, what was the life cycle of that and and what were the, you know, dualities of existence for the project and the people and all the things involved. And so I think from that standpoint, I felt a lot more intrigued and connected and drawn into it because of those things. But I could totally understand why you wouldn't have been. And, and I think, like I said, I think anybody who's going to watch this that doesn't have at least some or or maybe a, a pretty even strong background in those things, I think you're not going to get as much out of it. I I mean, I guess that's, that, that is the biggest withdrawal for me, is that I, I've not, I hadn't seen Citizen Kane, and sure, that movie would... Watching that, even though I, I'm pretty sure I understand the, the story uh, to it, and... Uh, I do understand that the the importance to it with the way that um, Orson Welles shot it and and made it and got it done. I get, but like even so, it's just it was it. This movie just didn't, and, and I love that era of Hollywood, like movies t- that take place in that era of Hollywood, and and uh, you know cer- certainly things that are fictional historical if that's how they say, you know, it's dramatized history and stuff like that. But I just, I just able to get involved with any of these characters and and I really wanted to. So I guess the next thing would come to is like on a technical level, how did this movie look to you? Cause it definitely looked different than any other David Fincher movie that I'd ever seen. 
Well, yeah. And, and I think, um, it's, I do want to point this out too, though. The, the, the screenplay was actually written by Fincher's father and David Fincher actually originally wanted to make this movie, uh, after he made the game. Um, so, I mean, he's been wanting to make this for a very long time. So I, I think that's worth pointing out in the simple fact that, um, even from a dialogue standpoint, it didn't, it didn't, it's Fincher, but it's not like definitively Fincher. And, and you're right, even from a, a shooting standpoint as well, um, Eric Messerschmidt, I think, was the uh, cinematographer uh, for this, which, you know, he's done some of the episodes of Mindhunter. Um, he's done a couple episodes of like Raised by Wolves. Um, that's kind of it in terms of like actual features well those aren't those aren't even features they're television episodes but like a lot of what he's done is like shorts and stuff like that i mean he's been in the industry for like a good while um but i think that's also why this feels really different you know because this is like he is working with fincher kind of like later in fincher's career um and it feels like perhaps fincher let him have a little bit more say or a little bit more collaboration in in the film's uh technical look and and how it's captured through the lens like it it, there are still some fincher things but um it definitely doesn't feel like as fincher as like some of his other movies like seven and fight club and things like that kind of all aesthetically felt to me um but i think it's beautiful i i really love black and white um I've been getting more and more into black and white, like just photography and everything lately. Um, again, I get why a lot of people aren't fans of that. I also love, you know, color movies too, but, uh, j- you know, I don't know, just something. Like, what's that? I said, no, you don't, you don't like star Wars. Well, I know. And that's like the funny thing. Cause like everything I just bitched about star Wars being fan service, basically Mank is fan service for like citizen Kane junkies in a way. So, like it's kind of you know like ah oh, well you lying sack of poo like you you just don't like Star Wars you're just such a jerk and I'm like hey, okay you're right I can't really but <laughs> how do I argue with that it's like okay I guess you're right um, but yeah I, I I do think it's shot beautifully I think there is some really great um, cinematic visuals in the movie but it does feel uh, to me it does feel quite a bit different than than some of his other movies for sure. Okay. Any anything else you'd like to say about the movie before? You know, one of the things I did enjoy, but then also really did not like because of what happens in it is the mm-hmm. the scene when the writers go into the room with the 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 execs, the Paramount execs, and they're like essentially just coming up with a fake sto- a fake movie, well, a movie right there on the spot when they say they've been working on it for a long time and. They throw it kind of almost throw the one dude under the bus, the new guy under the bus with like, well, how's the ending go? And he's just like, well, there's a pre sweeping. And they're like, yeah, it's all about God and religion. That's how it's, you know, it's big. And so I was like, I was like, it was a really cool scene to watch. But like just to see them like BS through that whole thing is like pissed me off. Kind of like I was just like, oh, that hurts. Like, that's how you get terrible movies. Well, it is. Uh, it certainly is. And I mean, obviously, I think those things still happen because, my God, we got like Ginger Deadman, Sharknado, uh, exactly. recently exactly. Fat Man with Mel Gibson being uh, Santa Claus, who's chased by Walter Goggins, the, who's playing an assassin that's hired by a kid to kill Santa. Um, but I think some of that's also just in there for characterization because uh, Herman Mankiewicz although he worked in Hollywood, he was, uh, again, he was very much like Orson when it came to writing. I mean, he had a very strong established background as being an incredible writer outside of Hollywood before he ever went to Hollywood. I mean, he went to Hollywood and I think within like a matter of weeks to a matter of months, he was the head of screenwriting at Paramount. Um, I mean, he literally had a comment that he's, I forget exactly how it goes, but when he was bringing, um, I think it was his brother out, um, he said something to the effect of like, basically there's no one out here that's going to be able to, you know, they're going to pay you money, but there's no one out here that's going to challenge your intelligence. Like you're going to be the smartest person in a sea of idiots kind of thing. So I think that was more kind of in the way of just like his disdain for the industry in general. Um, 
which is ironic because he, you know, finished his his career out basically in in Hollywood and in cinema and, and obviously tanked off a lot because of his alcoholism. Uh, it's just like the little comments in there about the Wizard of Oz and how he keeps talking about how that's going to tank the studio. Um, he's saying that because Herman Mankiewicz was one of the 11 or 12 writers that was hired to write the Wizard of Oz. And he wrote, I think, like 60 pages. And the whole Kansas being in black and white was kind of his idea. Um, so it, 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 there's all these little things like that where I think if you're not super into film history you're you're gonna miss those things and again is should that be the case probably not they there probably should be some more cohesive uh nature to it uh but i i don't know i i, I enjoyed those things and uh it, it's a slow burner for sure so if you're someone who doesn't like slow burning movies i would not recommend it because you're probably gonna fall asleep um but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that was like a long tangential side rant uh, about how it kind of doesn't look like all of his other movies. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, all right. So if you'd like to talk to me about how I'm wrong and Mank is an amazing movie, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. If you want to talk to Richard about how the movie isn't as great as he thinks it is, find him on twitter where is that at um nobody's gonna talk to me about this everyone's gonna be like dude star wars baby grogu he'll he'll whoop you stupid and f you silly don't talk shit on him and i'm like okay you're right i don't he's a jedi what am i gonna do nothing um no you can find me on twitter uh at rycohen r-i-c-o-w-n uh and sometimes you can find me on twitch.tv slash rycohen and the number one Uh, the rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archi- archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geekelitemedia.com. Uh, please, whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us, rate and review us. It will help spread the word of our network so that other people could hopefully also enjoy the words that come out of our mouths or at least enrage them so that they interact with us on <laughs> online. <laughs> I already did that. Yeah. <laughs> but until next time, this is the Mitch and Rich show on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.